Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. It really is all about what God has done. Not a church, not even individuals, but watching what God has done and continues to do as we act in daring faith. And what you heard were just three stories out of hundreds. And we have, we have heard all kinds of things from you. We have seen God do stuff working through several dozen small groups, through over 1,200 of these journals were purchased and, and given out and being used. And God has really been taking us on an adventure these last couple of months. And we've been doing this as a reminder, or if you're new, so you understand, we've been doing this because we want to stretch our faith. We don't want to be content with where we are. And that means at times, for you who's done this, it's felt uncomfortable. But here's the thing. We don't grow in comfort. Okay? It's really something we've got to recognize. Growth, growth in any area is almost always uncomfortable. But the result of growth, becoming more and more spiritually mature, becoming more and more like Jesus, becoming more and more devoted to Christ, it's God's blessings and miracles and so much more. The Bible says in Romans, for the gospel reveals how God puts people right with himself. It is through faith from beginning to end. As the scripture says, the person who is put right with God through faith shall live. From beginning to end, from, from start to finish. Folks, we've got to understand it is through faith that we get right with God. Not through doing good things. Not through being a moral person. Not through obeying or not kicking the cat. It is by faith. Hebrews 11 says... Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We can't please God without faith. We, we can't please him by just simply doing good for the sake of doing good. We, we can do good for the sake of living out our faith. But the good news is that God rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's what scripture says, earnestly. That, that's not just kind of tapping at it every once in a while when it's convenient, when it fits into my schedule, when it, it's, it's co comfortable. Notice the Bible says the right way to live is by faith. The way we connect with God is by faith. And it is impossible to please God without faith. So let me just remind you what we said early in this series about what faith is. Faith is seeing from God's point of view, not from my point of view, not from your point of view, not from the way we've always seen it or the way it's always been done. What is God saying? What is God seeing? The, the thing about God's point of view is that it is always bigger than ours. His dreams are so much bigger than ours. He created us. He's been preparing us for so much more than most of us have been willing to try or even imagine. Ephesians 3 says, I pray that Christ Jesus and the church will forever bring praise to God. His power at work in us can do far more than we dare ask or imagine. 
then he says amen. Why does he say amen? Amen means let it be so. So it's not a question of what God's going to do. It is always a question of what we're going to do. May it be so for us, with us. He's been working in us for the sake of our family and friends, for the sake of the world around us, for the sake of those who come after us. I mean, it's it's never just about ourselves. Yet the sad thing, and, and, and really the danger that you and I always face is giving in to our doubts and fears and doing nothing, doing nothing all that God has entrusted us. Now the crowds on that first Palm Sunday some 2,000 years ago, they cried out to Jesus as their Messiah. They, they went through the externals. They did all the outward things to say he's Messiah, he's Savior. But by Friday, they'd forgotten all they said and they reacted out of doubt, out of fear, out of confusion. They called for his crucifixion. I want to tell you, Palm Sunday ought to scare a lot of us. We often lift it up as a big celebration, and and it is. But it's a celebration of people who love to talk the talk and very seldom walk the walk. They praised him when it was easy. They praised him when everybody was in on it. But five days later, five days, think about that, five days coming Friday, it was no longer in their vocabulary. When we stop acting out of faith and get bogged down in fear and doubt, we can forget Jesus is our Savior. We start looking to ourselves and we start, we start trying to cover ourselves and we start trying to be safe and faith goes out the window and we get lost in the wilderness. And there are consequences for that, but the good news is that God continually holds out to you and to me by faith that we can continue moving forward to the promised land. Jesus told a parable, not specifically about the promised land, but it really does fit. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you, open them to Matthew 25. That's the first gospel of the New Testament. Or if you're using your mobile device, go to the YouVersion Bible app and open it, or look at the notes in your bulletin that we provide every week. They're there, and those, the scriptures I'm going to be referencing are there as well. Many of you probably have heard this passage, but it's, it's worth repeating. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 14, Jesus is talking. This is Jesus now. He says, It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. Think about it. A man going on a journey. Where is Jesus now? Jesus himself, in fact, has gone on a journey. So perhaps what he's about to tell us is really for those of us who are still here. To one, he gave five talents of money. To another, two talents. And to another, one talent, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. Now, to make sense of this, we really got to understand what, what is meant by a talent. Uh, it's, it's a little bit um, disconcerting that, that later on that word came to mean necessarily our talents and abilities. And it's not that that doesn't apply, but in the parable itself, it had a much more specific meaning. A talent was a weight, a measure of a a precious coin, typically silver, that determined its value. And for these servants, one talent's value was probably equivalent to about 15 years of income. 
Now, now think about that for a minute. How much money have you, are you going to make in the next 15 years? The boss is entrusting that to one of you. And to the, to the second servant, he's entrusting twice that, 30 years. And to the first servant, he's entrusting five times that, 75 years worth of income. That's, that's almost two lifetimes. So when we look at this and we look at the guy with one talent and we think, well, he didn't get very much, well, is 15 years of income for you, is that a little bit of money? My guess is it's pretty significant. So even the third servant here is entrusted with a huge sum. We don't want to just dismiss him or say he had nothing. And Jesus told this parable to help you and me understand all that God has entrusted to you and to me. And how he wants, how in fact he expects us to use what he's entrusted to us by faith. Next, Jesus tells us what each man did with what was entrusted to him. Verse 16, the man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now look what they did. Look what they did with what was entrusted to them. The first two guys used what had been entrusted to them, and they doubled the value. Each of them doubled. The third guy buries. He, he puts it where it can't be used. Not going to be lost, but it can't be used. And does no good. Jesus tells us after a long time then, the master comes back and each servant reports what he has done with what has been entrusted to him. The first servant reports in verse 21, and the master replies, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the second servant reports, and he talks about doubling what was given to him. And the master replies, verse 23, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Anybody notice anything about those two verses? Anything stand out to you? Do you think, do you think I was just repeating myself? They're identical. They're identical. Even though the first servant doubled a much larger sum, five talents into ten, so he added five to what the master had given him. The second servant took two and doubled it, but that was only four, so he only added, he added three less than what the first servant did. But the response of the master is exactly the same. We gotta, we gotta look at this, guys. We are all different. We all have different opportunities. We are all gifted in different ways. We all have different abilities. We all have different talents. We all have different ways to earn income. We all, we're different. We're as different, each one of us is night and day. There's not a two of us alike. Even identical twins are different. And the thing is, God does not ask us to do to be someone else and do what he asked someone else to do. And yet that's what we always do, don't we? We want to compare. Well, you ask this person to do this, or they're good at that. Surely that's what counts. 
But that's not what he says. He does expect us, though, to use what he has given us. He he wants us to see from his point of view, to trust him, to act in faith with whatever we do have. Do you have abilities and gifts someone else has? No. Can we all sing like Betsy Burke? No. Does that mean we have nothing to offer to the kingdom of God? That means the rest of us are useless? You may think that. And if you do, you fall on the danger of the third servant who says, I have nothing to give. And that is a dangerous place. One of the worst things that you and I can do is compare ourselves with someone else because God never wants us to do that. God does not want you to look at the person next to you and wish you were more like them or wish they were more like you. The master representing God does not praise the servant with five talents more than the one with two. By the math, they're different. But God doesn't expect them. He doesn't expect you. He doesn't expect me. He doesn't expect any of us to be someone we're not. He does expect us to be ourselves. He just, well, you created created you. With whatever gifts, whatever talents he gave you, with whatever circumstances or opportunities that you have in your life to do the best you can, trusting him. And in that then, instead of keeping up with the Joneses, trying to compare ourselves with Betsy Burke or trying to do something that, that we aren't gifted or whatever, instead going with what we can do, that is wonderful, that is freeing, that is amazing. But here is the warning. The third servant who doesn't use what he has, who fails to act in faith that there is something he can do. Jesus tells the story beginning in verse 26. You wicked, lazy servant. You should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. In other words, a little something. No, not 100% return, but even 2 or 3% or 5%. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of There is no such thing as a docile, unserving, unmoving Christian. There isn't. It's not biblical. The master clearly expects each servant to use what he has entrusted to them. It's not about the quantity, but about the quality, about the effort to act by faith. The effort. God wants to see us acting. That's what this whole daring faith has been pointing us to over and over again. Don't be satisfied. Don't Stop where it's comfortable or convenient. Don't do it. Don't just wait on someone else. Don't say, I have nothing to offer. The the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he shows us here that 
And we either we use it or we lose it. Use it or lose it. It's that simple. Even a few percent of interest, even a little action is better than nothing. But, but those who fail to act in faith, who don't try, cannot please God. Jesus tells us this because he, he wanted us to know that there are consequences when we fail to act in faith. Remember the Bible says the only way we can please God is by acting in faith. And the, the, the reverse of that is that if we do not act in faith, we cannot please God. In fact, he becomes disappointed in what we are not doing and even takes away what we have. Playing it safe, being ambivalent, doing nothing, not an option for a follower of Jesus Christ. You have to hear that. You want to live daring faith, which is the the. the trip of the lifetime, it starts by acting in faith. What are you facing at work, school, in your family, in which you've experienced some doubt, where you've let some fear work in there, and you're not moving, stuck, treading water. Maybe even you're starting to sink a little bit. What do you know deep down that you know needs to happen? Just take a step. No, you you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to see the end of the, the, the journey. Do something. Are you afraid of what others are going to think? Are you... Are you afraid you may not be good enough? Are you afraid you'll fail? I want to tell you, as I read this this parable from Jesus, God's not at all concerned about any of that. That's not an issue for him. It's not an issue how good you do it. Do your best, try for the sake of the kingdom of God, and that's all he asks. If you fail in the midst of that, he loves you. If you make a mistake, he forgives you. If you're confused, he offers wisdom. Are you willing to step out in daring faith? That's really been the point. And, and, and that's why we've been telling you stories. That's why we've been hearing stories. I listened to a story before the service this morning from a couple in this church. An incredible story. And Jesus said, according to your faith, will it be done to you? Faith is the key. We are saved by grace through faith. We live by faith. We act by faith. And only as we act by faith do we begin to open the door to all God has for us, his dreams, his plans, which are always for the sake of transforming the world, not for building me up, not for making me look great, not for lining my pocket, get that, that's very clear, but for the sake of the world. And as we act in faith with whatever we have, seeking to please and obey God, the Bible says he is happy. He's happy with us. He says so. Matthew 25, verses 21 and 23 
is his response to both the first and the second servant. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Or I like the way the New Living Translation puts it, let's celebrate together. That's what we're doing today. We celebrate to recognize that God has done some incredible things in and through many of you, individually, in your families, in your workplaces. We, we want to mark this season as a time where we know, whether you experienced it or not, but we know that God moved. God did some things so that we can look back and we can remember God's faithfulness when we're struggling. That's what happens all through the Old Testament. Over and over again, God took the people, God took the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, out of Egypt and led them around for 40 years in the promised land. He said, what happened? Did you ever starve in there? Were you ever, did your clothing ever wear out? He took care of them. And as he took them then into the promised land, what did he want them to do? He wanted them to remember. He had them set up an Ebenezer, a stone pile, as they crossed the Jordan River, as a reminder because you and I forget. Life comes at us fast, stuff happens, and we get, it, we get caught up in the moment and we start forgetting what we know, what we've experienced, the faithfulness of God. And he wants us to remember so that we can trust him in the future as we have in these past few weeks. He wants us to remind us that he is faithful. We can depend on him. We can step out in daring faith. The early church created holy days around the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus to help us remember all God has done for us and the world in and around us through Jesus Christ. This coming Friday, we're celebrating Good Friday when we reflect on what should not have been anything but good, Jesus' death, and we celebrate communion in the midst of that. A reminder, do this, he said, in remembrance of me. An act of faith that he told us to do. An action to remember and celebrate all that he has done for us. We're celebrating baptisms this afternoon. As Jesus told us to go baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, an action to help us mark the most important decision any human being can ever make. You can make lots of important decisions. I made a decision to go to college. I made a decision to get married. I was involved in a decision to have children. But here's the thing. There's only been one decision in my life that opens the door to heaven for me. And I'm not saying any of those other decisions don't matter, because they do. They're incredibly important. The decision to put my faith in Jesus Christ is the one decision that marks for eternity that I am His. We, we dedicated two little boys up here. But notice, Robert said, they're going to they're come a time, though, when they have to choose for themselves that decision of faith. And so we baptize to mark this point in the sand, an action to show us one of the most, the, the most important decision any human being ever makes, the only decision that determines our eternity. We remember our baptisms as ways of reminding ourselves that God is faithful, that he 
died on the cross for our sins, no matter what the world around us says, no matter how it says you can't get away from that stuff, he has forgiven us and freed us to live life to the fullest. We remember and celebrate what God has done in the past so that we can have more confidence to step out in faith in our future, knowing we can trust God. Hundreds of times throughout the Bible, God tells us to remember. And the ultimate celebration of remembering is, is next Sunday, Easter. As we celebrate what Jesus, that Jesus did what he said he would do. Imagine, have you ever heard anybody say, I know the day I'm going to die? Jesus did. In fact, he knew the day he was going to die. He knew how he was going to die. What's more, he knew he would come back to life. If you heard somebody today say that, I know the day I'm going to die, unless they have a gun in their hand, if they just, by natural causes or by what somebody else does, if they die, you would have to say, that's pretty amazing. But if then someone tells you, and I'm going to come back to life on the third day, you'd laugh at them. Because only one person has ever done that. Just imagine, if Jesus can do that, and you trust him, and you believe what he says, yes. And so we celebrate the Easter, the tomb was empty, that Jesus was resurrected. We gather to remember and celebrate that God was faithful then and still offers us his resurrection power, not just from physical death, although that is a part of it, but from anything that wants to steal life from you and me. Only God has the last word, and by faith we choose to trust him and follow him. And we choose then to invite others to join us because we want them to experience it. And so we've got cards, we've got these badges, we've got all kinds of ways that you ought to be inviting people to come join us next Sunday morning at 9.30 or 11.15 to hear good news. Good news that you have come to understand that by faith can change a life forever, that by faith can transform them and transform the world around us. So today we take a, a moment to place a marker in this sand to remember all the wondrous ways God has worked these last few weeks to lead us forward, sometimes through wildernesses, but always toward his promised it's been so cool. It's been so exciting to hear some of your stories, to see some of you taking steps of faith that, that you, you uh, three months ago, would have been not even imagined taking. You, you've been doing it at work. You've been doing it with your family. You've been taking time reading your devotional each day, and all these are important. And a choice you have to make is believe by faith that God will continue to work in your life as you take next steps to grow your commitment to Christ, to, to spend time with him, in God's word and prayer each day. It's not, a, it's not a, an accident. God works in that because he continues to bring forth his scripture, his promises into us as we spend time with him. To stay connected in a group or get connected in the next several days as we launch more groups. To serve your, your church and serve your world through this body of Christ and to share that good news with others, to invite people to Easter. I know he is faithful. I, I, I've experienced it in my own life, but I can't take a next step of faith for you. Only you can do that. I challenge you to let this day of daring faith celebration 
be a day for you to choose to take a next step. Don't be like that crowd on Palm Sunday. Rah, yeah, rowdy, raucous, love to talk a good game. But in the end, they were just like the third son who hid their gifts, who did nothing to advance the cause of Christ and what God had given to them. They suffered that choice. Our story leads to that. We serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. Our story is more faith than doubt or fear. The Bible says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't stop. So many of you did not get tired. Today we celebrate and encourage others and help them see the hope we now see and own through Jesus Christ, the hope that is going to change our world, that is going to change our community, that is going to change our families, that is going to change our workplaces, that is going to change us. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.